Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live on this edition of V for Velas. We have with us the man of the hour who needs your introduction. He is the dark raven of the deep state, and you can find him flying in via stealth mode over at the Discord, the Rogue News Discord. So check it out, uh, Rogue News Discord. Uh, you can, I'll give you guys the link. The link should be in the description box. If not, just go to roguenews.com and uh, you should be able to find the link there. Anyway, with that being said, fellas, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, my friend. How's it going? I am hanging, my man. I am hanging. I can't complain. I mean, so many things are going on. You got Donald Trump getting uh, in, uh, arrested. <laughs> you got trails. You got trains falling off left and right. Uh, barges exploding. <laughs> Dogs and cats living together. Pandemonium. Gilbert Nowak, yes, I know, and I also said last week I would, I or this week I said I wouldn't be on, and V said I wouldn't be on, and then here I am and I'm on. <laughs> yeah, because the time uh, so is urgent. So got to monitor that Discord channel, folks. Got to monitor that Discord channel. So, um, whole bunch going on. Not sure that we've got uh, Harley later, but no worries. Um, you're stuck with me. Um, so a number of items, and uh, what do you call it? I uh, worked. Some of this up during the week, uh, I didn't think I'd have enough content for a program and I was getting a little worn out after last week, but then, you know, my normal problem. Uh, wait a minute, I've got enough content, I can do a show. Um, <laughs> so, as uh, a number of you are, are uh, coming on to Twitch, uh, I will speak about YouTube in a moment. Um, I'll start with kind of a uh, the semi-archaeology uh, topic again. Um Last Monday on the 21st, uh, I was out at the uh, Serpent Mound in Ohio. Oh, yeah. I uh, watched the sunrise, uh, which each of the bends in the serpent on the ground is is uh, where the middle part of the bend is. You know, one of the bends is the uh, spring equinox. Um, terribly sorry. Summer solstice and the winter solstice. And then the middle bend are each of the equinoxes. And then the mouth that's kind of holding the egg, if you will, Um that's where the sun sets on the summer solstice. So um, it's an excellent uh, site. Um, it's very well maintained. Uh, it kind of sits on a, on a uh, I wouldn't call it a plateau exactly, but if you've ever seen the Graham Hancock uh, discussion about it and, and the show that he had on Netflix, um, you can literally tell, you know, this is what, what geologists call a moraine. I mean, this is where the, the glacier did stop. Um, and uh, it has a, a very nice view of, of the area, um, kind of a, a nice area, a lot of small towns nearby uh, with uh, folks offering their various wares. Um, there's a big tower that lets you overlook the whole site, but it's closed for the time being because um, the, the layout is, is fairly large. And uh, my gut says the physical size and height uh, of the site was probably much larger in the past than it is today. Now, fortunately, restoration work is sustained uh, the key astronomical alignments. It's a very nice place to visit. It's well-maintained. Park Service are very nice people. Um, 
I arrived the day before with a couple of close friends and uh, we could tell folks were getting their crystals and sage ready for the big day uh, the following day. <laughs> and uh, I'm quite serious about that. And it was a brisk morning uh, on the equinox. It was 20 degrees, uh, surrounded by some of the most colorful people I've seen since I attended the History Channel Paradigm Symposium up in Minnesota back in 2012. Um <laughs> I also think it's pretty cool, such a wide variety of folks from from all those who were attending, because literally there were a bunch of guys that you could tell are literally off a highway crew, like they're out there laying asphalt. They just showed up with their coffee because it's like, hey, this is an important thing, I guess. Let's let's watch the sunrise Uh, standing next to people with colored hair, colorful clothing. Uh, people with with literally crystals sewn into their their clothing. There was a gal walking around with a big walking stick with a, a giant, uh, really a good looking gem on it, like a very large purple crystal. And she had like a cloak with all these crystals in it. And she had her makeup all done. And she oh my had, God. I'm not kidding. She had <laughs> alligator heads on each shoulder. And the people I was and the the folks I went to go watch this event with uh, were just standing there with our jaws hanging open, like holy shit! And she had these big uh, Nancy Sinatra white boots as she's walking up to the to the main site where everybody's huddled. And uh, but anyway, you have this very eclectic crew, and everybody's shivering in the cold while candles are burning and sage is filling the air, and various people that that gave off every indication that they're of some native background or are all chanting uh, as the sun is rising higher and higher. And it's, uh, it's one of those things you can laugh about, but it, it's still pretty, pretty cool. So uh, moving into the Associated Press uh, wire service this morning, not sure uh, you folks have seen this because it's still kind of uh, early as far as the news cycle is concerned, but um, I raised an eyebrow this morning because evidently the FBI decided they needed to talk about Las Vegas again. Uh, I'm talking about the shooting. Yeah, very, very strange in that regard, right? Like all of a sudden, that that story suddenly back in. Yeah, and I had to wonder: is this is this just because of the Nashville topic? The FBI was feeling left out, uh, whatever it might be. They they released the most abs- just crazy statement about Stephen Paddock snapped because he was a high stakes gambler and he lost too much money. Um, well, that's that's all it was. I, I've actually known some professional gamblers. These these folks' ability to manage their emotions are, are pretty good. I don't really know that they're going to knock a window out of the Mandalay Bay Casino and just open fire on everybody down below. Um, you know, they aren't even trying at the FBI anymore. There's so much wrong with, with today's FBI statement. I'm not even going to bother to go there other than to say they released one. Um, as V has mentioned on other shows, we're in the penalty box again on YouTube. Um, I find that funny because it was most probably we literally said a bad word uh, again. Um, Billy, point on the doll where the bad rogue news people hurt you. Um, Yet, if you want to talk about blowing up the Matrix, uh, as I mentioned on a prior show, Tom Luongo has programs on YouTube that if, uh, quote unquote, the system was really paying attention to what he's saying, he and many others, uh, he's on making the universe on a far bigger level than we are. I mean, we do our own we do our own work and on making reality. Uh, uh, but just pointing that out. Now, speaking of Tom, uh, quite a bit with that, uh, he did a, a program on YouTube recently, which I caught last evening. And uh, one of the first things he said on the, on this new program he had, which was an important takeaway, uh, was he said, uh, and I quote, do not confuse Jerome Powell with Janet Yellen. They're on different sides with different agendas. Yellen has always been aligned with Geithner and the Obama camp, and Powell is not, unquote. Um, He also raised the comment he brought up on Rogue uh, two weeks ago, that the Davos crowd controls the political and economic systems in Europe and the United Kingdom. They have control or heavy influence on the political system of the United States, but they do not control the financial system. And without that, many, not all of their goals will fail simply because of the immense uh, power of the U.S. economic system. He also pointed out due to uh, Europe's sovereign bond weaknesses and forthcoming collapse, uh, hang on to your hats. Uh, Many people have asked Tom whether Bitcoin and crypto could be used to plug that weakness like the European sovereign bonds. He feels crypto will play a very critical role eventually, especially in stabilizing the U.S. banking system. But that's on the back end. He said we're not there yet. Um, A couple of critical comments and a mental narrative for us. He said, like any war, Davos is getting desperate and their next move will have to be biblical. He used the word apocalyptic. Um, 
he said you could almost even make the argument because the same people are involved, it's akin to the following, which I thought was an interesting analogy. He said every time Russia wins another battle or wears down Ukraine even further, NATO and the West roll in with more assets and resources to try and turn things around. Davos is doing the same thing. Uh, Davos has no choice. They keep losing to uh, Jerome Powell's various moves, and they're losing big. Uh, so in his words, they're about to, to gamble big, and they're going to lose big. He also raised again the idea of Japan seeking an independent path from the West, whether Europe or the United States. He said part of the confusion that's out there is is in the 1980s and 90s, Japan tended to go along with, with U.S. financial direction of late They've been more aligned with Christine Lagarde in Europe, but he said, if you really read the tea leaves carefully, Japan is charting a third path, you know, basically for themselves. And that is equally important, folks, because, uh, and I, I have a love-hate relationship with with George Friedman, um, uh, read Friedman for years. Uh, he does very good work, but he does have a narrative that he's he's following in his, in his work. Um but Friedman and others have been saying for about 20 years that just law of averages and a whole host of other considerations, Japan is going to come out of their cave. Japan is going to come back out into the world stage. They have no choice. Part of it is driven by demographics, not to get overly Peter Zeehan on you, but um, there's a heavy demographics focus behind that. The other is just history and geopolitics and geoeconomics being what they are. So, um, he also said that the banking system, what the banking system did to Greece in 2015, they're about to do to Germany uh, and all of Europe. And the net of yep. that, and these are his words, was crash the European banking system. Sovereign debt will only be covered by the ECP digital currency. Uh, that's very big stuff. I'll pause on this topic because it's more V's area. V, any any thoughts you want to throw in on that or, or comments you'd like to make? Um. Uh the only thing that I can tell you is that the European banking system will implode. And the bank du jour that I've been targeting since 2012 has always been Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank should have failed at the end of the 2008 financial collapse uh, around, let's say, 2010 going into 2011. It should have failed, but it was kept alive through 2012 and onwards because at that time it was doing the feds dirty work it was doing the ecb's dirty work and it was doing it was also doing the boe's dirty work especially with the offloading of derivatives the bolt holding of u.s treasuries and working its way in in, in, in even fostering some of the uh the back-end repo markets that are happening uh within europe itself so DB's always been in trouble. It's been the dumping ground. It is the nuclear waste site of a lot <laughs> of the fraud that has occurred in the 2008 financial collapse. It's all buried in Deutsche Bank. And so when Deutsche goes, it's going to go hard. It's going to go fast. Santander is going to go. Commerce Bank is going to go. And you're going to see it work all. You're going to see those ripples work all the way through, even into PNB Paribas. Uh, PNB Paribas. A lot of the most people don't realize this. Germany is the largest holder of French debt, and uh, PNB Paribas is uh, sitting on a uh, on on very very shaky ground. And the same thing goes for Credit Agricole, another major French bank. That's another one that's going to go as well. So the, Europe is in a whole heap of trouble, man. A whole heap of trouble. Yeah, and and we've covered it here on Rogue a couple of times. I know Tom Luongo spoke to it when he was on our show. He's been speaking to it on his own uh, program. Tom's on uh, Patreon, by the way, folks, if you really want to get his hardcore content. He doesn't charge that much for uh, his Patreon site. Uh, but there's many others, and, and I'm about to jump into some Gerald Salente commentary here in a moment. But uh, I, it's funny, late last night I, I came across a couple of articles that are out there in the the blogosphere, as well as some of the, the financial press, that that if you talk to the people who are not on the news, maybe Bloomberg occasionally at 3 o'clock in the morning might cover it, but you're sure as hell not going to get it on CNBC uh, or Fox Financial for that matter. But if you talk to the people that are out there in the middle of the night doing trades, you know, the kind of things V does, the kind of things Algo Cowboy does, the list goes on, there's a pattern out there. And there's kind of almost a, a gallows humor out there right now of people literally betting on when does Deutsche Bank fail and how bad yep. and, and who has to get involved to prop them up a la 
uh, Credit Suisse getting getting bought out by by UBS. So we we will see, and I, I'm going to cover a bit more of this because there's there's some heavy implications for all of us here. So Salente, um, as usual, Gerald's been on fire, um, but he's also tracking right along with Tom's narrative uh, about the next few months and what to expect. Salente uh, pointed out this week it was none other than BlackRock who stated that they, BlackRock, are managing their portfolio of assets based on a major recession uh, in very, I don't want to say uncharacteristic, but in very blunt language, BlackRock's folks have been, to their high-end clients, have been putting out commentary about, you know, <laughs> the piston is about to come through the block on the engine. I mean, they're, they're like, there's there's no way you're going to contain this. Uh, BlackRock has also very, very uh, blatantly stated it's just a matter of when it becomes official about the recession. I know I've said on the show, and I'm not a finance person, uh, not anywhere at V or Algo's level, but, but you know, the net of it is, is, is we've basically kind of been in a recession for a couple of months, but... BlackRock was saying, you know, it's just a matter of time before it becomes official and how bad it's it's going to be. Um, Salente also offered some interesting data points uh, of his own to dovetail with Tom's comments this week. Christine Lagarde of the ECB said their entire banking sector is very resilient and not to worry. <laughs> Salente countered with, and I quote, then why in the prior five months have depositors removed 215 billion euros from the Eurozone banks and household deposits have dropped nearly 21 billion euros? That latter item is the largest amount of money since the ECB, the European uh, Central Bank, started tracking that figure from 2003. He also continued his concern about uh, the office building space issue here in the United States, uh, basically a bust of that. I know of a couple cities where, you know, due to my own connections, um, I know some folks that are, are quite frankly, getting getting very sick with stress because they own hotels and office space in areas that used to be pretty vibrant uh, and now aren't. And they, they're just at their wits end on, on how to go forward. Um, there's an important data point on this building space topic that you may or may not have picked up in the, the media. I didn't until I read Salente's newsletter last night. Uh, 80% of commercial property bank loans are with regional banks. So if you want to know why you keep hearing rumblings about regional banks, you'll hear it in the news. Well, there's concerns about the regional banks, regional banks, blah, 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 SVB. Is that going to have a parallel to the regional banks? But it's like, yeah, but that's the stuff you're saying on CNBC and Bloomberg. What really is behind why you're saying that? Well, the data point is that, along with other reasons, that 80% of commercial property bank loans are with regional banks. So according to Salente, the market value of what the banks own are far below their book value. And if there are less deposits going into those banks and the commercial real estate market starts having issues, those banks won't have the capital money to cover those losses and meet deposit needs of their customers. So again, keep keep an eye out. Um, Zelensky over in Ukraine. Uh, I'm sure a number of you may have caught this. It was posted on Discord. He recently addressed the lower house of the Austrian government this week. Uh, while addressing the lower house of the Austrian government, a number of Austrian government officials got up and walked out. Walked out. Uh, they've had it with their money and national prestige being sacrificed in Ukraine for no benefit and growing risks with Russia. Uh, keep an eye out, folks. Uh, Zelensky's problems are increasing. <laughs> That of the uh, Azov uh, hitmen that always stand next to him when he's uh, in right. Ukraine. <laughs> you, you keep doing what we tell you or else. Or else. Um, just uh, one of our normal little helpful hints here at Rogue, uh, your local library. Uh, do not forget about your local library, folks. It's a good resource. Uh, check out your local library or libraries for what they have to offer. Uh, definitely, if you have a moment, go out to their websites and take a look because each library has, has uh, different offerings. But remember, you can rent DVDs of movies or documentaries without charge. You can leverage the interlibrary loan program to acquire books they may not have on the shelf. They have computer resources there for research and databases you may not be able to find. Plus, the other thing, at least one of my local libraries in my area, their computer systems have access to indexes of like the stuff I used to use when I was working on various degrees at universities, uh, various, you know, white papers and articles that are in in trade journals and other things 
that if you went on the internet, unless you've got access to that or what have you, you, you know, you won't even be able to find those. So if you're doing any kind of research or whatever, you know, there are some databases and other things uh, or data um, that traditionally, unless you were a university student, you won't be able to get access to that stuff. So, so, you know, check out your local library and remember you can register to vote there. You can get a passport, uh, a number of other services that your local library offers. Um, central banks, uh, here's a data point you might find at your local library if you're doing some research. Um, for some reason, I found myself reviewing comment, uh, content relating to the Nuremberg War trials at the end of World War II. It wasn't because I had any misunderstanding about uh, people's crazy hopes that uh, the Clintons might find themselves at a similar uh, war crime trial. Um, but one of the things that popped up uh, that I did kind of go, wait a minute, and I had to replay the, the video clip of what I was looking at. Um, of all the people that got sent to the gallows to hang for war crimes or sent to prison or those that were acquitted, uh, there is an item of interest. Um, Germany's bankers at the end of World War II were either acquitted or in the case of the central bank president were at Spandau prison, but none of them were hung. It's like the movie uh, The Untouchables with Kevin Costier. Uh, if you have the mob's accountant, you've got everything. Uh, same as today with bank bailouts and, and uh, no one goes to jail. Um, the other thing, too, is, is it's not just a function of saying, well, these guys were running the banks inside Nazi Germany. These were the same banks that were taking, uh, there's no other way to say it, gold wedding bands or jewelry or even fillings from people's teeth that were melted down and sent into Switzerland and moving those financial assets around, that's the kind of stuff these, these banking folks are doing and not one of them got, got hung. Um, speaking of your personal bank options, uh, some guidance on your personal life that might sound a little bit simplistic, but if it works in Vegas, speaking of Las Vegas, it can work in your personal life. Um, in the 1990s, I mentioned with all of you, there were a bunch of late night product programs with this guy with a very colorful suit and stuff selling videos on how to win in Vegas. Um, you know, and I still remember his little jingle late at night if I had insomnia or I was working on a graduate paper with him looking at the audience going, pure money management, no money down, uh, you know, and these these VCR tapes that you could you could buy. A uh, bit of a risky enterprise for me. I had some fraternity brothers that watched this stuff and tried to play their hand in Vegas. But uh, to quote from the movie Casino, the house always wins. So that's a lot of risk for me, uh, and I don't want to deal with it. However... One of the things that those videos uh, do teach you, and one of the things I did pick up from that content was, is they do teach you about, if you take the gambling aspect out, it does teach you a lot about risk management. And that is important. We're understanding risk and how to manage risk. And one of the data points I've mentioned here on Rogue a couple of times is this thing about betting on both red and black and roulette. Now, sure, the ball might land on green, but that's rare. And that's why it pays out such crazy amounts of money if you should beat those odds. So what's the point of always betting on red and black if you're always going to break even? Because you're now building data on how many times the ball has landed on red or black. And you can now take measured risks and put two chips or three chips on red or black without too great a risk based on previous behavior. It's a little bit different than card counting. But, but the net of it is, is you're, you're, you're spreading out your risk. Now, Mike Moore at True Pundit offered the following this week, and I thought it was worth sharing. Um, because a number of people have been reaching out to Mike saying, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Because Mike right now is sharing with his audience a number of different things he's trying to use to, to protect himself. <laughs> um, so one of the things he brought up was, as he said, um, we've, we've said it here at Rogue, you know, take some of the, the money you've got in the bank and put it in physical cash in your house somewhere, maybe a little safe or what have you. And as I've said here on Rogue, uh, please, please don't do that with hundred dollar bills. You need tens and twenties. You need smaller sized bills in case we should have a power outage or similar, or the ATMs stop working. Um, he said, but then after that, move your money to a degree. It makes sense for you into two or three banks or savings and loans. Cause if you're concerned, your regional bank, noting the regional banks might be at risk, it spreads your assets around. And if one of your banks fail, you have insurance because your remaining assets are elsewhere, not to mention any insurance through FDIC or somewhere that might be in play. Now, of course, if all the banks fail, well, that's a completely different problem. And that's a, that's a completely different show. But the idea of spreading your assets around between a couple of banks, it's, it's, uh, it's worth thinking about. Uh, v, if you'll get ready with the first video clip. Um, when I was a kid in the 70s and I was watching cartoons, there was a running gag in Tom and Jerry cartoons 
where some sort of impossible comment or situation was made and the gag was Tom looking at the audience at the end of the cartoon saying, don't you believe it? So with that, we're going to play a little clip here. Of course, the thing about a cornered mouse will never fight kind of reminds me of very essential bankers saying, everything is fine, don't, don't worry. So I told you folks early in 2022, uh, and I said it a couple of times last year, I said, we're going to have, no, stay with me, we're going to have disclosures about the coof that even the most jaded among us will be shocked to see. Mm. And at the same time, the powers that be also saw how people developed methods to fight back with school curriculums, the legal system, and information sharing via the internet during that time. Let us recall FDA Rule 42, U.S. Code Section 300, AA-22, and there's the other one out there about your rights as it relates to emergency use authorizations, unless you're a billionaire or have 100 or $200 million in the bank, and even then there's no guarantees. Uh, you may not have access to information that tells you that there's things like that that let you tell any employer, any government agency to get bent because you have no legal authority to tell me to take a shot. Now, and those are, are the equivalent of a nuclear bomb if we should find ourselves having yet another pandemic. So now we're facing the possibility of, yes, one of my favorites, uh, of, and this has been in the news lately, and somebody even posted uh, Fox News has had on some kind of conservative-leaning actors recently talking about, well, well, you know, Tucker, I'm really concerned about the power grid. And I'm sitting here looking at oh, the screen God. going, oh, baby, uh, there are there are crisis actors and then there's crisis actors. It's like, okay, we got to blow the dust off of some right-leaning actors and have them on Fox News. Coming out of nowhere, here's a couple of bucks. Get, get on TV and tell everybody you're worried about the power grid. It's like, if you guys, you know, I don't know how much more you could broadcast that one than you're doing, but uh, there's also the, the topic which may or may not be waning as a possibility, which is the the fear of some sort of uh, low-yield nuke going off in Ukraine. And of course, the entire banking system, I wouldn't use the word failing, but going through some serious, uh, some serious vomiting here shortly. Um, shared with all of you that early in the 1990s, you know, this thing about the, the bulletin boards or the BBSs, and we all used to get access to them through dial-up and so on. And there was this thing, and I brought it up a couple of times on my archaeology shows and on, on shows like this, where there was this story going around that world governments were planning something big. And in order for them to pull off something big, they had to pull out the aliens landing on the White House lawn card to pull that one off to throw the public so far off that they could get whatever this was, you know, through. And that storyline follows a narrative that the plan had to be abandoned or, or a plan like it had to be abandoned because enough of the detail got out through the early Internet. We got to crack down on these bulletin boards, yada, yada, yada. So, heck, imagine what today's resources look like in 2023 versus us using dial-up in 1995. Uh, Discord, by the way, recently changed their terms of service again. Uh, Methinks they are afraid of certain content, especially the fact that none other than our friend Frank, quite frankly, got his whole Discord page yanked with no chance of ever getting it back with no explanation. <laughs> so... I've also covered on my prior show the breakdown in the green energy plan, if not the complete failure. We covered that one last week, meaning the world's elites have already started to throw down with each other in a major way to avoid their interests getting hosed. Not to mention that whole European banking collapse that Tom Luongo is discussing, as well as to cause them to go to war with each other. Now, what does that all add up to? Well, it adds up to something V was sharing with all of you this week, which is, quote, we've got to stop TikTok by accusing you of treason for using a virtual private network. <laughs> Compliments of your own government, Washington, D.C. They appear to be literally trying to shut down as much communication as possible because they know between geopolitics and geoeconomics, to quote the famous actress Betty Davis in the 1950 movie All About Eve, fasten your seatbelts, it's going to be a bumpy night. Uh, I don't think the elites even know where things are headed. And I know I've said that a couple of times. Uh, they were all in on this plan of theirs, and now cracks are starting to appear. So uh, just a thought, there may, quote unquote, may, because I haven't read the legislation, there may be a loophole in the laws they want to pass about VPN or other technology you may be using at home. 
So I often always go, as do my friends in the industry, we often go with the uh, idea, better to have that stuff operating on your computer now rather than to do it after the legislation passes. Um, secondly, to quote a friend of the show, uh, the laws of this country are very specific about anything that denies you access to your quote unquote property. Uh, that being that any new law does not overrule existing laws when it comes to property. Uh, you know, like anyone trying to transition your child without your knowledge can be considered mutilation of a child. Uh, third, as I've mentioned a moment ago, cash on hand. And fourth, uh, you know, once again, folks, uh, either save or review the resources page on Discord. Uh, we've had a ton of stuff over the past two years or so that we've posted out there on tools and resources that you may want to just save to your, your home system in case, God forbid, uh, we lose access to the, to the Discord site. Um, fifth, go to some prepper websites if that's your thing. We also have those posted on the resources page. And net-net, uh, when people say this is just another crazy moment in history, it's going to pass. Don't you believe it. Uh, absolutely nothing is off the table until they get this straightened out. Open conspiracy. Uh, that's one of the important phrases that recenters our focus uh, on a lot of topics. Cynthia, Matthew Eret's wife, uh, used that phrase in one of her works recently, and I wanted to kind of point that out. She was using it in reference to Aldous Huxley and H.G. Wells's works as either a warning of what might happen or is a quote-unquote open conspiracy toward the outcome. It's a conspiracy, but it's in your face. The origination of, of that word or phrase is from H.G. Wells's book called, ironically, The Open Conspiracy, Blueprints for a World Revolution, which was published in 1928. Wells described the book as, and I'm quoting, a scheme to thrust forward and establish a human control over the destinies of life and liberate it from its present dangers, uncertainties, and miseries. Number one, it proposes that largely as the result of scientific progress, a common vision of the world, politically, socially, and economically unified, is emerging among educated and influential people, and that this can be the basis of a world revolution aiming at universal peace, welfare, and happy activity. That can result in the establishment of world commonwealth. By the way, sidebar, as my Eastern European relatives used to, used to say, uh, <laughs> In Russia, we also had another word for peace. It can mean slavery or occupation. <laughs> That's another topic. Item two, Wells went on to say this can be achieved by drawing together a proportion of all or nearly all the functional classes in contemporary communities in order to weave the beginnings of a world community out of their selection, uh, out of their selection, meaning the world's elites. This will ultimately be a world religion, unquote. That's funny. That sounds like it's right out of the World Economic Forum, Atlantic Council, or my usual three-lettered non-governmental organizations, and of course the Lenin Corporation and the Venetian black aristocracy. Uh, there's nothing new, folks. These people can't help themselves. So uh, Oklahoma City, always a fan favorite. Uh, v, if you'll play that next clip. My thanks to uh, some of the folks on Discord who posted this. Um, good stuff. Uh, I found the original source webpage for, for the clip he's about to play. And uh, I don't know who produced this, but it's it's really good. Okay, give me one second. Pulling it up right now. On the morning of April 19, 1995, a decorated Gulf War combat vet blew up the federal building in Oklahoma City using a truck bomb that he didn't build and a rider truck that he didn't rent with the help of a passenger who didn't exist. Having just gotten away with the largest act of terrorism on U.S. soil to date, the Fort Bragg-trained Special Forces sheep drip dropout blended in with the crowd by making his getaway in a car without a license plate and was immediately pulled over. The ATF was the supposed target of the attack, but luckily all of their agents were out of the office that morning. Later that day, the president boldly declared, We will find the people who did this. And when we do, justice will be swift, certain, and severe. Except for John Doe number two. John Doe number two. John Doe number two. Who, according to the FBI, never existed. In McVeigh's unprecedented three and a half week trial, the prosecution didn't show the CCTV footage of him and John Doe number two parking the rider truck. Didn't explain why 24 separate witnesses mass hallucinated the existence of John Doe number two. Didn't explain why the government was testing truck bombs and the army was storing rider trucks at Camp Gruber right before the bombing. 
and didn't talk to the FBI informants who blew the whistle on the plot. But they did collaborate with the CIA, and they did convict McVeigh as the lone wolf bomber and Terry Nichols as his bomb-constructing accomplice. Still, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists, including 300 bombing victims, insist on talking about facts and evidence and refuse to simply believe what they've been told a million times by people in tailored suits with well-coiffed hair. They quote the U.S. Army FBI crime lab whistleblower and the inventor of the neutron bomb who point out the physical impossibility that the Ryder truck bomb did the damage to the building, but that doesn't matter because if there were other bombs in the building that day, we would have heard about them. The second explosive was found and diffused. I think he said another bomb. The Justice Department is reporting that a second explosive device has been found. They then found a third device, which was also larger than the first. And I see another bomb truck going, so apparently they're going to try to get out that third bomb. The FBI claims to have lost the footage showing McVeigh and John Doe number 2, parking the truck in front of the Murrah building that morning, but that's understandable because the Bureau has a lot of important evidence to store. Terry Nichols insists the FBI was involved in the plot, but thankfully a judge has saved us the trouble of listening to him by preventing lawyers from deposing him. There was a bomb truck parked across the street two hours before the blast, but that just shows the authorities were prepared for anything. And... Other documents obtained by 2020 show that someone called the executive secretariat's office at the Justice Department in Washington and said the Morrow building had been bombed. But this was 24 minutes before the blast. But that just shows the public was unusually vigilant that morning. Also, apparently before the bombing, Governor Frank Keating's brother, Mark, had been working on a novel about a terrorist bombing in Oklahoma City. Stranger still, one of the characters in the novel was named Thomas McVeigh. But that's probably just a coincidence. McVeigh wrote a letter to his sister where he admitted to being a secret special forces operative and he complained to friends of the pain in his ass from an army implanted microchip. But that's crazy because if he didn't actually leave the army in 1991, there would be proof of that. This man never existed. And if you say otherwise, you're a crazy government-hating nut job who deserves to be locked in a cage for the rest of your life. Likewise, him, her, them, her, and him and him and him. McVeigh was not executed on May 16th, 2001 as scheduled because the FBI had failed to turn over thousands of pages of evidence to McVeigh's defense attorneys. But the execution went ahead on June 11th. In a highly unusual and secret agreement, no autopsy was performed. One witness said he was still breathing, and the prison officials admitted his hearse was a decoy. Then the case was officially closed. This is the story of OKC, as told to you by the same truth-tellers behind Perhaps a profoundly lonely man who craved attention <laughs> to find consolation in doing good. And when the helicopter we were traveling in was forced down after being hit by an RPG. And we're, we're with the rebels. And he said, oh, you're with the rebels? And they started beating him. Oh, you're with the rebels? Don't you support Bashar? And if you question any part of this story, you are a paranoid wingnut birther truther tenther prepper conspiracy loon who should feel guilty for having been born. If you love baseball, fluffy kittens, hot dogs, Barbie, Star Wars, and freedom, you will never, ever bring up any of these points ever again. Ever. This message is me. by the friends of the FBI, ATF, DOJ, <laughs> CIA, SPLC, MSN, and the U.S. Army. That is oh, brilliant. Oh, God. That, <laughs> that is brilliant. Like, that is like a rogue brand of DMT all in one sitting. Uh uh, yeah, and for all of you asking, I will I will post the link uh, for that on on Discord again. Um, yeah, I got I almost need to light up a cigarette after that. A uh, couple things, uh, and I know we've talked about Oklahoma uh, City and events surrounding it on this program a number of times. I know I did a show where I kind of walked you all through hypothetically air quotes on this side of my microphone. Um, what five possible cover stories before you get to the truth sound like. Um, I, in 1995, I was in graduate school and I was working two part-time jobs to get my way through, through school. So my life was a bit chaotic, but I was at home. Um, what do you call it? Working on a paper when that bombing happened. And as is often my habit in those days, I parked my ass in front of a TV for the rest of the day and just was flipping back and forth between various news channels with God as my witness, CNN, none other than CNN. You have to remember CNN wasn't completely compromised back then. Um, CNN was interviewed because you have to remember, it's kind of like a lot of things, folks, when it's in the first moments of nine 11, it's the first moments of the Oklahoma city bomb. It's the first moments of Nashville. There's always those things that happen that they haven't had time to clamp down 
and get the crisis actors on TV yet. Their plan is running a little behind. Um, they had a reporter that was speaking to someone who was very upset, very bloodied uh, after the bombing. And she was saying that when she dropped off her kid at the, because uh, there was a daycare in that federal building on the lower floor. And of course, that was certainly drum up as, as oh my God, you know, children have died in this attack, this, that, and the other. We have to put McVeigh to death. Um, and her comment was, is that she bumped into people who kept asking, uh, where are our ATF colleagues' kids? Why aren't they here? And so CNN grabbed a senior leader from the ATF and said, <laughs> where the hell were your people this morning? Do you have a meeting or something? You know, why weren't you there during the bombing? There's no truth to the rumor that we weren't present dur during the bombing. Well, where were you this morning? I was at home. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, oh, yeah, I've got every dead, dead relative from Russia just looking at me going, and here we go. <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> it's Pravda all over again. Uh, crop harvests of the Soviet Union are gloriously strong this year, you lying bastards. Um and as I shared with all of you, they, they brought up the thing about Keating. Well, my God, folks, I could do a whole show here on Rogue about Keating, the savings and loan scandal, all that bullshit. And the guy was writing a book where the main character was named McVeigh. But I've also mentioned to all of you that, uh, and this was just a couple of years ago, uh, I was watching an old episode of Columbo, and the villain's name was McVeigh. And I thought, well, McVeigh's not a standard kind of name it's not like smith no it's not and i thought i thought what are the odds and i pulled up my phone and i looked up imdb and i pulled up all the episodes of columbo and i'm like i wonder when this thing aired holy crap and throw me in it the damn thing aired a week or two prior to the bombing so it's like i've got a abc television program where the villain's name is mcveigh a week or two before now, I'm not. <laughs> Let me channel my inner Gus. <laughs> I'm not saying that this was planned. I'm just saying that if you read Rand Corporation level psyops and how you conduct this sort of stuff, putting those little mental uh, seeds in people's brains without you even realizing at a subconscious level what's happening to you is how they do this stuff. So. Food for thought. Uh, I will post that video because, by the way, that's one of those things where you got to like pause it every five seconds and look at what's on the screen. Um, also, by the way, in a similar vein, uh, V, if you'd be kind enough to pull up the Apocalypse Now clip, I'm pretty sure, folks. I don't. I don't know. I've got. I've got the copy of the director's cut of Apocalypse Now at home. I'm not sure this clip necessarily was in the original. It may have been. Uh, but it certainly has a modern or contemporary uh, angle for all of us. So give this one a listen. It's Colonel Kurtz talking to Captain Willard after he's captured Willard and knows Willard was there to kill him. Time Magazine, the weekly news magazine, September 22nd, 1967, volume 90, number 12. The war on the horizon. The American people may find it hard to believe that the U.S. is winning the war in Vietnam. Nevertheless, one of the most exhaustive inquiries into the status of the conflict yet compiled offers considerable evidence that the weight of U.S. power two and a half years after the big buildup began is beginning to make itself felt. White House officials maintain the impact of that strength may bring the enemy to the point where he could simply be unable to continue fighting. Is this familiar? Because Lyndon Johnson fears that the U.S. public is in no mood to accept its optimistic conclusions, 
he may never permit the report to be released in full. Even so, he is sufficiently impressed with the findings and sufficiently anxious to make their conclusions known to permit experts who have been working on it to talk about it in general terms. No date, Time Magazine. Sir Robert Thompson, who led the victory over communist guerrillas in Malaya, is now a RAND Corporation consultant, <laughs> recently returned to Vietnam to sound out the situation for President Nixon. He told the president last week that things felt much better and smelled much better over there. How do they smell to you, soldier? That's all. Hmm. You can pause it, yeah. So, uh, apply that apocalypse now seen to uh, Iraq, uh, 91 or 2003, Afghanistan, mm -hmm. Ukraine. Uh, by the way, folks. Syria. God help us. Uh, China, if they're crazy enough to go there. Um, and uh, in other news, the Congress of the United States wants to pass legislation denying Velas the right to use video clips from movies and cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of other sound bites here: uh, Russia and China from Geopolitical Futures. Yes, I know that's George Friedman, but you know, as I often say, I'll, I'll read the Communist Daily Worker if it's got good data in it. Uh, from Geopolitical Futures, we have uh, some news items about Russia and China. Uh, it's been covered on Rogue, and I know uh, you've all seen in other news sources that China, Saudi Arabia, and Russia, uh, and others are all kind of working on different financial approaches and different financial systems to kind of break free of, of uh, the West and the United States. What you didn't catch was China's military announced this week that China is willing to work with the Russian military to strengthen strategic communication and coordination. Mm -hmm. uh, a Chinese defense ministry spokesperson stated at a press conference that the two countries would work together to implement global security initiatives and strengthen trust. Uh, from Velis's chair, I can just see the research and development labs in both countries hard at work studying all the Western weapons gear they captured in Ukraine uh, to reverse engineer it as well as develop countermeasures. Uh, the other one being Azerbaijan. Um, Azerbaijan has taken control of several areas near the Armenian border uh, in connection with commissioning of the new Lakhan Road. Uh, the Lakhan Corridor hosts the only road connecting Armenia and the uh, Armenian-controlled region known as Nagorno-Karabakh. Uh, it remains blocked by uh, Azerbaijani forces. According to the Azerbaijani Defense Ministry statement, uh, the country seized several dominant heights uh, main and auxiliary roads, as well as a vast border area. Uh, Armenia has said there's been no changes in the Armenian positions, though their Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan confirmed that the route of the Lakhan Road has changed related to an agreement between Azerbaijani and Nagorno-Karabakh authorities last August. Why does this matter? Because Armenia is loosely allied with Russia. And trouble between Azerbaijan and Armenia is ancient, and it's been pretty heavy since the 1990s. But it fired up again, again recently because the West is trying to put pressure on Russia anywhere they can. This is also why we've been having a lot of problems in Serbia of late, because Serbia has a long history uh, with Russia. And from all of us at Road News, um, a couple of very deeply personal comments of praise and thanks were posted to Discord this week. And we received messages both privately as well as on the Discord site previously. I wanted to take a moment, uh, you know, at the end of today's show and express my personal thanks, the thanks of V and CJ and Matthew Arrett and Harley Shang Schlanger and whatever brothel Gus is in and <laughs> Algo Cowboy and John Singleton and Tom Luongo and all the regular as well as occasional guests here at Rogue News. I mean, heck, we've even had Frank from Quite Frankly on uh, as a fellow alternative media group uh, to one another. Uh, we may have to start letting Frank's folks post on our Discord page, seeing how Discord won't let him have one anymore. Um, I'm also due on Frank's show again soon. I will post on Discord when, when Frank and I do get that worked out. Um, but, uh, 
you know, for, for all of us here at Rogue, we, we do the work we do for all of you. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, and I'm, I'm deeply thankful to all of you as well as to, uh, as I'm approaching my third year now, to CJ and V for letting me come on here every week from my secret bunker somewhere in the Midwest. Um, the programs we put on Rogue are really a labor of love. Uh, this isn't a revenue stream for us. Uh, we do this because we enjoy working together. We we love the work. And uh, you, our audience, keep coming back for more. So we will continue to keep coming up with new content. Uh, and as I often say, everybody, you know, hang in there. And we're a community. And a community is what makes us strong. V? Yes. You have the floor, sir. Oh, okay. No, you, you hit a lot of strong points, man. A lot of strong points. Uh, it is a, definitely a very crazy time to be alive. Uh, it is like that old Lenin quote, there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen. And we're living in that time. There's no doubt True. about it. Um, I, I mean, I'm I, I'm just sitting here bracing myself for what's going to happen next week. Yeah, we're going to have another train <laughs> derailment. Is a, is a, is a, you know, like what's, what's going to happen, you know? What's your take on this whole uh, Trump thing? I think it's a it's a major distraction. I, I'm not putting I, a lot of weight into it. I think it's 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 yeah. I I think it's I think it's a couple of things. And and again, folks, we have to remember these these are layered operations. Um, we have to remember also what I've said about Trump himself. Uh, whether you you like him, don't like him, loathe his existence, whatever it might be. Um, you know, we we say it here at Rogue often. Uh, giants in the playground to quote from Babylon 5 if you're on TV and you have an audience you're a player that's it it's that simple yeah it's it's uh you know there's a joke in government contracting that there really are and this is the truth because because I've worked off and on in there for over 25 years you're either a small set aside business that's like woman-owned minority owned you know disen disenfranchised element of American society Native American people from Alaska kind of firm, or you're huge. There's no such thing as a medium-sized government contractor. There can't be. Because the only way a small business can survive is because you get preferential treatment because you're small. And the big folks operate because they literally have billions or hundreds of millions of dollars to cover periods of time where, and I mean this sincerely, where the government forgets where their checkbook is and they don't, they don't pay us for a couple of months or even a year on contract work that's been completed. Uh, the government is a slow pay, folks. They're a very slow pay when it comes to paying their bills at times. So only the big players can make it or the little players can make it. So, you know, I've, I joke. I mean, it's the old joke about uh, I wish we had those problems. On a certain level, yeah, I'd love to see Rogue News, a branded entity with our own media company and lawyers and our own, uh, you know, uh, cybersecurity group with both offensive and defensive capability. Um, but we, we don't want to be in that world. Uh, we don't want to be in that world. And, and it's why it's so critical that that there's smaller outfits like us in the alternative space to provide commentary and research on on things that are going on. So Donald Donald is a major player. He's been a player a long time, and it's it's been covered by many. There's a lot of things and people he's involved with. And I said on one of my, my earliest shows here on Rogue about a number of topics when I was just kind of free-forming it with CJ and V, and I said – about a couple of things we were talking about. And I said, I, I can't take, I can't take these people seriously. I can't take the government seriously. I can't take whoever in the media is shooting off their mouth about whatever seriously on those topics, because it's like, that's, that doesn't matter. You're protesting in the street. Fine. When you go after a governor, then I have, then you have my attention, yeah. you know, you're going where they tell you to protest. So with, with the Donald, a, it's a litmus test to see what DeSantis is going to do. Does he get involved or not? Because Donald's sitting in Florida. DeSantos has kind of gone with the easier route, which is, well, I don't know that I'm going to help extradite him. Um, the other part of it is, is just the drama. Uh, the other part of it is, is as I often say, uh, joked with CJ about this uh, a number of shows ago, about they're always trying to keep everyone angry and off balance on both sides of the aisle. So, you know, CJ was talking about his frustrations and I was joking with him on that show saying, do you feel angry, CJ? Do you want to, do you want to execute violence on your fellow Americans in some way that makes you feel better? Um, 
you know, there's there's some folks out there rolling some dice uh, uh, for all of you who play Dungeons and Dragons. They're rolling the twenty sided dice, and they're hoping they can get higher than a fifteen to get somebody to do something crazy that they can blame on blame on Trump. Uh, it ties him up in the courts. Uh, they'll try and make the argument that if he is a quote unquote felon, uh, he can't run for office. Now, again, this is often the case, but what's the real story? Well, he's still not part of the approved, allowed political system. Yeah. That's not an endorsement of, that's not a criticism of, that just is. And as I've said before, some powerful people helped him run for office in of a fashion one could make the argument get into office. So now the betting money out there was saying, well, Trump's got to get out of the way and let DeSantis do this. And there's a certain narrative, definitely in Brendan O'Connell's camp and others, that DeSantis is the next iteration of, shall we say, our friends in the Levant trying to run their candidate to get their way here in the United States. If you believe the polls that are out there, and I don't know whether they're true or not, Donald is polling better than DeSantis. Yeah, he is. But that's not really the the issue of a fashion. It's where does this go? What's the real issue? You know, Trump, let's be honest. The Donald and the people who do and don't work with him, they've all got blackmail on everything. If they, you know, if somebody really wanted to go after Donald Trump, you go after Kushner, his son. Because the, the or son-in-law, you, you go after Kushner because, Jesus, the, guy's, the guy is connected with some really bad people. It's like if you really, but it's like if you start going after Kushner, uh, you, you, there's some folks in Tel Aviv are going to get mad about that, so you can't do it. So how do you go after him? And it's like you could go after Nancy, Nancy Pelosi, but Nancy's and her whole family's been involved with the FBI's informants for 50, 60, 70 years. Oh, and mafia money, which means it's the CIA. So you can't really touch Nancy because it's, it's like I've often said about OKC or other topics. If you pull on the wrong thread, all of a sudden data is going to start coming out that people will start scratching their heads going, well, wait a minute, I thought, you know, I thought it was Colonel Mustard in the library with a candlestick. So, you know, will, will Trump do something crazy? But I think among, among many things, even among those of us in the alternative community who have our disagreements, I, I think one of the things you can center on is, is regardless of people's perspectives on who, what, where, and why, the, the biggest thing is, is, is they are trying to make sure he doesn't run again. Yeah. And and again, I know for some people it's like, well, he's out for America. Uh, I kind of covered that last week. Uh, he's out for our financial system, which is probably something you want to support. You may not like Jamie Dimon. You may not like some of our big financial leaders, but they are certainly uh, in opposition to Davos. And as we often say here on Rogue, yeah, I don't mean this the way I'm going to say it, but there's no other way to say it. There's no one fighting for you folks other than you. We have to stay out, out from underfoot. You know, for me personally, this is one of the biggest things I'm trying to do on Rogue, and I know my colleagues share, share the sentiment in, in part or in whole. We're trying to help you stay out from under the feet of these people when they're fighting it out. And yeah. so the, the net on Donald is they're trying to get him out of the game any way they can. They're trying to get somebody to do something stupid like, well, like, you know, threat, threaten physical violence against the attorney. And the attorney, attorney general there in New York is, is a moron. Uh, you know, he's a loser. He's a he's a mor- he's a complete moron. He's a joke. Well, and he's one of so many folks, folk. You know that. I mean, my God. You know, between Seattle and Portland and all these, and Los Angeles, unfortunately, where people are literally committing murder, murder, and we're not prosecuting them. But by God in hell, if you jaywalked on January sixth, Jesus Christ, we're throwing you in in supermax for the rest of your damn natural born life. Exactly. So. It's the same thing with the Donald. They're using what assets they can, which in this state is New York State. I mean, if it hadn't been New York, it'd be California. It'd be one or the other. But they're trying to get him out of the game. They're trying to... Uh, and they're also trying can't... to incite the, the right as well. I mean, you see oh, that yeah. as well, right? I mean, totally. They, they want some sort of... They want they, they want the smoke, so to, so, so to say. Yeah, and and you know what he caught the the other thing too is is this is classic uh, the Chinese tactician Sun Tzu, this is classic Sun Tzu tactics. You know you're putting fire on on Donald and you're trying to force Fox News to react one way or another. Either you support him or you back off from him because they'd been kind of backing off from him, but now just on principle they got to support him. Same thing with the Republican Party, and there are no political parties in this country, but. You know, the list goes on. They're trying to force a reaction. The, the, the goal here is, is more a, a function of distraction and, and disorientation. Um, 
And I always find it fun. I mean, I could take the George Carlin narrative that what what do we care who's in the White House? I mean, Joe, Joe Biden is a vegetable that just gets an Adderall every morning to keep him going for an hour or two. Um, but there's still, I mean, Donald obviously proved you put somebody like him who's an outsider. I mean, he is. Love him or hate him. He's a, he is an outsider. He's not part of the political system, never has been. Uh, he's been a Democrat most of his life, ran as a Republican because that made sense. Um but he's there. The other thing, too, is, is, again, it's the folks in the shadows, because obviously, and certainly this is my position, Donald certainly has all new backers who are backing him this last year. He's got new allies and probably some old allies have shown up and said, well, just don't be as crazy as you were the last time. Um, you know, the Saudi, I mean, the Saudis are pragmatic. I'm sure if, if Donald found himself back in the office, the Saudis would be like, all right, somebody grab that black book with his phone number in it and go give him a call. Uh, Israel would be like, well, you weren't who we wanted this time, but but we can still work together. Uh, and there are others. So the other element here, too, is, is, is I think they're trying to force a reaction out of the other people that are backing Trump. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, uh, nonetheless, as this uh, week goes on. It'll be high drama, and I and I, I truly, I truly, after spending time in South America and having many, many friends from South America, we have truly become. The, I mean, I know it's been said by many, and it is kind of of pedantic, but we we have achieved South American banana republic status. I mean, we we are literally just factions upon factions upon factions in the open fighting it out in the system to to indict a former US president for such absolutely nonsensical shit. I mean, I hate to go with an easy one. You didn't indict Dick Nixon and you didn't go after Bill Clinton, but you're going after Donald Trump. I mean, really? <laughs> Again, you want me to take you seriously? <laughs> You've got to be kidding. But, you know, it is what it is. But hey, you know, it's another week next week. We get to have a whole new level of drama on our TV and our computer screens and get to see which end of the rainbow, to quote from Poltergeist, uh, we find ourselves working next week. So love your love your loved ones. Give your kids a hug. Uh, hang in there, folks. Spring is coming. Uh, for some of you, Easter uh, is coming next week. And for those of us in the Orthodox community, our Easter will be on the on the 16th. So Oh, and and for my friends in the in the Middle East, I believe you're in some phase of Ramadan at the moment. Uh, so, for everybody out there during these these ancient spring rites that we're all uh, following, uh, maybe some time in church and a little incense uh, wouldn't hurt either. Absolutely. And with that being said, folks, oh, before we leave, I just want to bring this up real quick. This is uh, in in uh, in. Tennessee. I want to show you guys this. This, this is how far we're, we're gone as a country, man. Gus sent this to me. We have Gus is like we've officially blown past Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, this is uh, this is crazy. Uh, let me just pull this up here real quick. Okay, here we happy go. happy Palm Sunday to you too, Annie. Yeah, look, look at this crap. Oh, is this what I think it is? Every death is a tragedy, y'all. It's seven lots. So the killer of the kids is also a victim. Look at these assholes. I'd say there were seven victims. I'd say there's seven victims. These people are sick. You know, Gus said it best. Uh... They've got to break down the barriers concerning uh, pedophilia and kids because they're they're trying to destroy any. And of course, I'm delving into Matthew Eretz territory, but they're they're going after the intellectual argument, the philosophical argument. There is no such thing as evil. There is no such thing as universal wrong. And yeah. and that's why they are going to continue to fire those artillery guns at trying to break down any perception. That anyone has the right. I mean, I love these memes. They're sad, but I love these memes folks are posting on Discord where it's like a little kid is looking at you and the meme says, I can't choose my bedtime, but you'll let me change my gender at the age of seven. I mean, yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to trust you to medically alter your gender, which really still doesn't change your gender. 
but Man- you can't Madonna decide. just announced that uh, they're doing a. Uh, she's going to be doing a concert in Nashville to benefit trans rights. And I've yes, seen it- the the signs that God. these trannies are holding up, saying "Kill the Christ cucks, kill the Christ cucks." Yeah, and let's remember, folks, Madonna has been permanently searching for relevancy uh, for 10 years now. Uh, You know, she just can't stop. Uh, The other one, quite frankly, that I'm concerned about, and it tragically is straight out of South Park, like a human sacrifice, if you recall that episode about Britney Spears. Um, Boy, like, we we need an extraction. Like, call the Israelis, have them just pull Britney out of the country, take her down to Bolivia for a while, let her go through some detox and get all the drugs out of her system. Uh, that poor girl is going to end up killing herself, and people are still going to end up making money off her somehow. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's why family's important, folks. If you've, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've had this conversation with my own kids on a number of occasions. Uh, you know, people saying, well, uh, in my family, we saw this relative doing this thing as far as getting involved with somebody probably wasn't their best interest, but we thought, well, it's their life. And I'm like, uh, I got some pretty cranky, uh, <laughs> half inebriated Scottish relatives and some pretty cranky, uh, Eastern European relatives who would be flicking their cigarettes across the room going like hell, <laughs> we're too loud and obnoxious to not tell you that we think that's a bad idea. No, you're not doing that. So anyway. here it is. Kill the Christ cucks, behead Christ cucks, roundhouse kick a Christ cuck into the concrete, slam dunk a Christ cuck baby into the trash can, crucify filthy Christ cucks, defecate in a Christ cucks food, launch Christ cucks into the sun. Trans and, and day see, of vengeance. And see, I'm gonna I'm gonna channel my in, inner Patrick Ryan and uh, uh, completely blow them out of the water by saying, and I for one, can't possibly thank them enough for supporting my Second Amendment rights. Yeah. <laughs> oh, baby. The, anyway. These fruit knobs want the smoke, bro. They're these just... fruit uh, knobs want the smoke. And, and by the way, don't think that these... I mean, when someone appears on Twitter or similar and you're looking at it thinking, my God, that's like a caricature of that community that's because it's a caricature of that community and you're looking at a crisis actor Let, let's mm-hmm. be honest you know that's probably an fbi agent it's a glowy <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's probably a, a lead agent but yeah uh you know pop red smoke folks the landing zone is hot hang on uh look out for yourselves love your families and and we'll see you next week Bellas, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And with that being said, folks, we'll be back on Monday with both Jet Blake and Harley Schlanger on Monday. And with that being said, we're over and out. Watch out for those fruit knobs. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Cheers, everyone.